Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Today in Science from Wired. The real fusion energy breakthrough is still decades away. U.S. nuclear scientists have achieved the long-sought goal of a fusion ignition. But don't expect this clean technology to power the grid yet. By Gregory Barber. Recently inside a gold-plated drum in a Northern California lab, a group of scientists briefly recreated the physics that power the sun. Their late-night experiment involved firing 192 lasers into the capsule, which contained a peppercorn-sized pellet filled with hydrogen atoms. Some of those atoms, which ordinarily repel, were smooshed together and fused, a process that produces energy. By standards of earthbound fusion reactions, it was a lot of energy. For years, scientists have done this type of experiment only to see it fall short of the energy used to cook the fuel. This time, at long last, they exceeded it. That feat, known as ignition, is a huge win for those who study fusion. Scientists have only had to gaze up at the stars to know that such a power source is possible, that combining two hydrogen atoms to produce one helium atom entails a loss of mass, and therefore, according to E equals mc squared, a release of energy. But it's been a slow road since the 1970s, when scientists first defined the goal of ignition, also sometimes known as break-even. Last year, researchers at the Lawrence Livermore Lab's National Ignition Facility came close, generating about 70% of the laser energy they fired into the experiment. They pressed on with the experiments. Then on December 5th, just after 1 a.m., they finally took the perfect shot. Two megajoules in, three megajoules out. A 50% gain of energy. This shows that it can be done, says Jennifer Granholm, U.S. Secretary of Energy at a press conference. To fusion scientists like Mark Capelli, a physicist at Stanford University who wasn't involved in the research, it's a thrilling result. But he cautions that those pinning hopes on fusion as an abundant carbon-free and waste-free power source in the near future may be left waiting. The difference, he says, is in how scientists define break-even. The NIF researchers said they got as much energy out as their laser fired at the experiment, a massive, long-awaited achievement. But the problem is that the energy in those lasers represents a tiny fraction of the total power involved in firing up the lasers. By that measure, NIF is getting way less than it's putting in. That type of break-even is way, 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 way down the road, Capelli says. 
That's decades down the road, maybe even a half century down the road. The trouble is inefficient lasers. Generating fusion energy using NIF's method involves shooting dozens of beams into a gold cylinder called a Hohlraum, heating it up to more than 3 million degrees Celsius. The lasers don't target the fuel directly. Instead, their aim is to generate a soup of X-ray, says Carolyn Carranz, a fusion researcher at the University of Michigan. These bombard the tiny fuel pellet consisting of the hydrogen isotopes deuterium and tritium and crush it. This must be done with perfect symmetrical precision, a stable implosion. Otherwise, the pellet will wrinkle and the fuel won't heat up enough. To achieve last week's result, the NIF researchers used improved computer models to enhance the design of the capsule that holds the fuel and calibrate the laser beams to produce just the right X-ray dispersion. Currently, those lasers emit about 2 megajoules of energy per pulse. To fusion scientists, that's a massive, exciting amount of energy. It's only equivalent to roughly the energy used in about 15 minutes of running a hairdryer, but delivered all at once in a millionth of a second. Producing those beams at NIF involves a space nearly the size of a football field, filled with flashing lamps to excite the laser rods and propagate the beams. That alone takes 300 megajoules of energy, most of which is lost. Add to that layers of cooling systems and computers, and you quickly get an energy input that's multiple orders of magnitude greater than the energy produced by fusion. So step one for practical fusion, according to Capelli, is using much more efficient lasers. The headaches continue on the other side of the energy equation, he adds. A conventional combustion engine is about 40% efficient at converting the energy it produces into electricity. For fusion, that might be more like 10 to 20%, he suggests. And researchers aren't even close to thinking about that type of conversion. By definition, fusion experiments are exercises in destruction. The fuel pellet is designed to be crushed in one go. The surrounding instruments are destroyed by the release of fusion energy. The mirrors are damaged by the powerful lasers. So to produce sustained energy, scientists need to figure out how to repeatedly fire the powerful lasers and get many pellets in front of them. That could involve multiple pellets and laser firings per minute, Karan says. By comparison, NIF currently fires three times per day. Still, the progress announced is a big deal, she adds. An overlooked aspect of this type of fusion experiment, known as inertial confinement, is that lasers themselves are a relatively new technology, newer than technology like nuclear fission. The multi-megajoule lasers we have today are an amazing engineering feat, she says, compared to the lasers first developed in the 1960s. And the NIF researchers have done more with that energy than many people thought they could. Some thought that to get anywhere close to ignition, it might take 10 or more megajoules of laser energy. Plus, she adds, lasers have continued to improve in the decades since NIF broke ground in 1999, meaning tantalizing possibilities for the facilities that could someday replace it. That's exciting, she says, because in the past, inertial confinement has gotten less attention than another type of fusion technology known as magnetic confinement. This involves a donut-shaped device known as a tokamak, in which hydrogen gas is heated into plasma and then trapped by magnetic fields. Commercial fusion companies have generally taken the magnet route, in part because of the challenges of lasers. But recently, inertial facilities have seen more investment, and the recent success may mean more of that ahead, Karan says. So will fusion help fix climate change? The Biden administration has high hopes, directing significant investment to fusion research through the Inflation Reduction Act. 
In April, it announced a 10-year vision for building toward commercial fusion. The actual timeline remains hazy, on the scale of decades, plural, but with real energy and real focus, that timeline can move closer, says Kimberly Budil, director of Lawrence Livermore National Lab at a press conference. Still, some find it a distraction from the path to achieving the U.S. goal of net-zero energy production given the tremendous costs. After all, if the goal is to do it by 2035, decades won't cut it. Despite today's announcement, fusion is neither commercial nor close to commercial, so it is still vaporware, says Mark Jacobson, an energy researcher at Stanford who has argued for more investment in available solutions like solar, wind, and hydropower. Indeed, you would be hard-pressed to find a plasma physicist who thinks fusion will be in the mix in the next decade. But for nearly a century since astronomer Arthur Eddington speculated on the relationship of hydrogen and helium powering the sun, people have been attracted to the what-if possibility of building a power plant that worked like a star. There's an Icarian quality to it, of course, a humbling from decades of high expectations that are rarely met. But fusion researchers press on toward an elusive goal, even if it may not be attained by any generation alive today. I think we should look at this with optimism, says Dmitry Orlov, a research scientist at the University of California, San Diego, who studies tokamak design. Today is like watching a baby learning to walk. Eventually, it will run a marathon. Like what you learned? Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and get more science news at wired.com science. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.